Hey y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Today you're listening to episode 173. It's a casual conversation I had in person with my good friends Carrie Castle and her licensed therapist Angie Booyah. Here are a few highlights from the show. What we know is kids who are restricted food right. 12 times more likely to binge. Interesting. Because they'll go to school. They're going to find Eventually, it. Eventually, they're going to find it. They're yeah. going to get it. Right. And they're 12 times more likely to binge because what they're learning is this narrative we have of good and bad foods. Mm. We, we assign morality to food. Right. When food really is an amoral right. entity. Right. It's about how we relate to the food. All across the board, food is not the problem, therefore it cannot be the solution. It goes back to what Carrie's mentioned. Yes. Usually a spirit, obviously, <laughs> a spiritual <laughs> issue and an internal issue. And really and truly, what our relationship with it. And when we make it, like we said, the idol. Yes. When yes. it's taking up, like you said, you were obsessed. It was taking up your mind. Oh, yeah. Your time. It's, it is. It's, your thoughts. Your your relationships were impacted. Oh, yeah. That's like, when we know something's an idol. Yes. Yes. And you're lying. I was voiding. I was lying, I was hiding, to continue making sure that I was going to be able to control my behavior. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And at the same time, and this is what I think for these women to hear too, at the same time, worshiping Jesus and married to a man going to seminary. I love Jesus, but yet I'm still going to control all my little boxes right here and find my worth right there. Even though I know, because that he says he loves me and that I'm okay and I'm made in his image, I didn't fully as a recovering bulimic, it is the thing that I get to continue to embrace as part of my humanity and, and the way I'm wired and, and my need for Christ at the end of the day. The gospel. It's always about the gospel. My salvation is because of who Christ is and what he did on the cross. My sanctification is a dependency every day. Okay, y'all, we're going for it. It's a topic the church doesn't often address, but given the fact that 30 million people, 20 million women, 10 million men have reportedly been diagnosed as clinically impaired with an eating disorder of some kind, disordered eating. I'm pretty confident that you or someone you love has struggled with disordered eating. And I'd love for you to listen all the way to the end of the show because I think we all have something to learn about how often we think about and worry about our size and what we put in our bodies to an unhealthy level. Um, I also want to make sure that through this episode, uh, I don't allow shame to keep women trapped in bondage. That is something the enemy would love to do because every single one of us has a level of brokenness in us. And for some, that comes out with controlling what they put in their body and uh, disordered eating. For others, it could be gossip, it could be anger, and sometimes we rank struggles as worse than others or more embarrassing than others. And uh, I want to shine a light so that the women that this is uh, keeping them in bondage, that is impairing their relationships, uh, affecting their ability to love their children well, to love their spouse well, to love God well, that they would say, oh, me too. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not alone in this. You would reach out to either Carrie, my friend Carrie or Angie, or uh, someone you know, a therapist near you, get in a recovery program that you would feel the freedom to no longer walk in shame and keep this secret in the dark. I'm also hopeful that this episode can relieve some stress and some anxiety that some parents feel that they're going to do the wrong thing and they're going to cause their children to have disordered eating, that we can free up some of those uh, confusions and lies around how we interact with our kids and with food and think about the narratives we are communicating to them around food. And you'll definitely want to check out the show notes for this episode because Angie shares a lot of great links with more information if you are concerned about your kids and, and their eating. But before we get to all that... I'd love to share with y'all this month's sponsor, Yip Yap. Last week, you heard me talk about Yip Yap, and maybe some of you were like, uh, I thought Heather was against giving her kids phones, and I totally am. I totally am, until I heard about Pipsqueak, because it's way different from handing your kids an iPhone. It's a Wi-Fi-enabled device that allows my kids to call me, just me, 
or whoever else I control as their contact through the Yip Yap app. I get to decide which features of the phone are enabled and which are disabled. And the features they have are great if, if that works for your family. There's a YouTube, special YouTube uh, ability where you can decide which subscriptions you have. It doesn't have suggested videos. There's also a way to send pictures and videos and an MP3 player. Right now I have all those disabled on my boys' phones, and it's great. They can call me whenever they want. They can, if I'm on a trip, uh, like I was with my older boys, my youngest son can call us. If you want to check it out for yourself, go uh, to their website, yipyap.com. And don't forget, you get 20% off if you use the special promo code GCN. All right, let's get to my conversation with Carrie and Angie. Here we go. Hey, all Carrie and Angie. Welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. We are sitting in Angie's house. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And Carrie Castle, my good friend, we've been friends for a very long time, is here to share her story. And uh, Angie, you are a, introduce yourself real quick. Right. My name is Angie Booya. Booya, really? Booya, literally. Yes. <laughs> Best last name. Is, I would say that's why I actually married my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he came along with it. That's good. It's that's my favorite joke name. to say. It's oh. a great last name. <laughs> Angie Booyah. Booyah. Right. Yes. And I am a licensed professional counselor okay. here in Dallas. And yeah. I have one son and I'm in recovery myself for an eating disorder. So I feel passionate about this personally and professionally. Well, I'm so thankful to be with y'all. I know... The gal listening, whether she has a friend, a daughter, a son, a husband, I don't know, herself, mm-hmm. this is a topic the church doesn't often address, mm-hmm. and it's time to stop letting that yes. be a thing, right? Yes. yes. So Carrie has been so gracious, and she's being courageous, mm-hmm. and she's going to share some of her story first, so go ahead, Carrie. Yes. Yes. And you and you might want to introduce your family right now. Sure. Well, yes, I'm Carrie, as Heather said, and um, I'm married. Um, to Mike Castle, amazing man, and uh, we have three sons. Um, two um, are amazing, and they were blessed with our to our family for through adoption, and then um, a biological third. So, um, yeah, so that's Very me. Fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So, tell us about your story. How mm. did this journey start for you? Mm. Okay. So, I grew up um, in a smaller hometown, and. Um, I grew up in a chaotic environment, actually. It was really chaotic. And so my dad um, was an alcoholic who was not home much at all. And my mom, in her ability and the only way she knew how to survive in that type of marriage, um, tended to be um, controlling and a little bit more critical of things. And so for me, um, I, by nature, the way that God made me with my personality, I am, I'm very sensitive. Um, I'm just intuitive and sensitive. And my personality is also, I'm a doer and a go-getter and make things happen. That's just how I'm bent. And so when, as a child, when my home life was so chaotic and you never, I mean, I still to, to this day cannot remember having a meal at my own home. Mm-hmm. A family meal. Interesting. It was just, everyone was all over the place. It was just me. I was an only child until I was nine. Um, and so anyway, but so for me, how I ended up trying to bring some control in the middle of that chaos was that I focused a lot on my leadership skills. Since I was an already bent with a personality that took charge a lot of times of things, I just went ahead and was an achiever, an accomplisher, and a performer. And that's just kind of how I found a way to bring control out of what I couldn't control. Mm -hmm. Because I lived in an environment that I couldn't control around me, and that wasn't how necessarily I wanted it to be. So I just found ways to bring control for myself. And so I achieved and performed and did that. That came rather easily for me. Um, At the time, also, I was not... 100% 100% in love with my body because I reached puberty early. So wow. I was, I was, how old was I? I was 11 and a half. Okay. And so I was one of the first out of my group of peers to start my period. And so I had a changing body. I didn't look like everyone else's body. And with that came some shame and some embarrassment. Um, girls were making comments and, you know, just, and I didn't have the support system in my home 
to be able to deal with that. I didn't have a mom that I felt safe or comfortable with to talk about those things. So I just kind of was having to process with those feelings on my own. And, um, and so I just, um, and I did a lot of comparing to other girls and well, she's not like that, but I'm getting this. So why am I getting this early? And so there was that underlying, not feeling a hundred percent comfortable in my skin there. Um, but went on through high school and achieved and did things and, um, was that I felt proud of. And it really ended up being a sense of false self-worth is what it ended up being. So as long as I could do all these things, I felt that I was good enough so that fed my self-worth and identity um, struggles. And at the same time, um, to add on top of that, because um, that I was not raised in a Christian home either. So I went to church with a friend because I was attracted to church because it was a place where there was a lot of stability and love there. Um, and so it was attractive to me, but I wasn't being discipled and I wasn't being taught the the truth of who Christ is and who I am in Christ, I guess. So all that to say, it was a perfect storm for me. I went to, I, I went to college and um, I did not know anyone there, but that was also my thinking that, again, I had a lot of false self-worth. So I thought, I'm great. Look at all that I can do. So I'm fine. I'll go to college. I know myself well enough. And that was all not true. And so, and I got to college um, I felt very overwhelmed. I also noticed that a lot of the girls were a lot like me, um, especially because I pledged a sorority and they're all high achievers and everyone, it makes good grades. They all are, they look cute. They all were cheerleaders. And so I was like, well, there's obviously nothing here that makes me unique or special. Right. And so all of those false idols, all of those false security and self-worth was just gone. And I was just one of everyone else. And I had no idea what to base my worth and identity on. And like I said, I didn't have a relationship strong enough with Jesus to even know that, that he was enough for me. And so I, um, at the time, a um, little bit of piece of that story, I had just had my wisdom teeth taken out the summer before, like the summer before I started college. And um, I lost a little bit of weight. Um, because you weren't able to, like, I, instead of eating mashed potatoes, I just ate and ice cream shakes. I just ate things that were not um, as high of caloric value. So I just lost a couple of pounds, and that felt good. It just felt good. So that couple of months right before I went into college, then I went to college, and then came all the overwhelmed feelings from, and like I had just mentioned, feeling helpless, not knowing where I fit, who I was. And so I just decided to go ahead and do like the other girls were doing. And everyone went to the, I don't even forget what it's called. It's been so long since I've been out of college. When you go to like the rec center. Rec Rec center. center. Thank you. Anyway. And so, you know, they all went and worked out. So you go and work out. So I went and worked out like the other girls are doing. And it's slowly, it, 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 it was a gradual process for me as I started locking on to, oh, that felt good. Oh, okay. And it started replacing the hurt and the loneliness and the helplessness and the overwhelming that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. It became a place when I could focus on what, and I would slowly just um, start restricting what I was eating just a little by little. And then I would go and work out. And that became what I was giving thought to. And it became, if I can just think about what I'm going to eat next or what I'm not going to eat next, or if I eat that, or when can I go work out? And if I work out then, and it just became a planning in my head Mm -hmm. centered all around when I was going to eat, what I was not going to eat, how I was going to eat, and when I was going to work out, then all those thoughts got to be um, replaced with what I wasn't feeling. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so that's, it was just numbing out is what I was doing. And it started gradual. And most people that know me, I'm an all in person. Mm-hmm. I'm a black or white. And so I'm, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all the way with it. So I did. And I just continued on that cycle. And it wasn't till about four months from the start point in, um, where I went home for 
um, Christmas break. And my parents were like, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you hadn't seen him that whole 40 months? Mm-mm. Okay. I think I went home for college, but I still, for, I mean, for, for Thanksgiving. Okay. But I was home like three days. It wasn't until Christmas break where, and in three days I could hide things. You can, you can hide around things. It wasn't until Christmas break where I was there for two weeks that they were like, uh, something's going right. on. Mm-hmm. And so I finally admitted and was forthcoming, um, and for them, what I felt at the time was that there was not anything they could do about it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I was in, it was in my control. You're like, because, you knew it was happening, but you're like, it's fine. I've got it. Oh yeah. And I, and I was like, and I knew that guess what, mom and dad, you can't do anything about it. Like it's all mine. Oh yeah. This is my deal. You can't make me eat. Mm-hmm. Like with our little kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm in charge. Because but you were getting their attention. Oh, yeah. I was getting their attention. Mm-hmm. But yet, mm, no. However, then they threw out the card, well, you can't go back to college unless mm-hmm. you do something. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm going back to college because I cannot not go back to college because I'm a perfectionist. Right. And, and I'm on, this, that and I'm on yeah. this plan. Yeah. And you can't withdraw from college. Like, there's no way. Like, I have to do, by the book, what's going to happen. So how did that plan. play out? That played out. They said, well, you can go back to college if you get a nutritionist. And a counselor and see them every week. I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll do that. And I agreed to that plan. And I went back. And at this point, Heather, this is where a lot of people think, and a lot of people we talk about, people think it's about the food. And it's not about the food. Mm-hmm. It started out about the food as a way for me to find something to control. But at this point, I was totally out of control. Yeah. The fact that I could look at an article of food, of food that my parents had said to ask me to eat, and I would burst into tears, flip out, freak out, because there's no way I could eat that. Absolutely no way. Mm-hmm. And it fear just takes over your whole being. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yes, it is a lot of it is it's control. Mm-hmm. Again, once again, I felt so when I went to college. I, of course, like I said, I grew up feeling. In, in a life that I felt, environment where I felt out of control. Right. Achieved that through controlling my achievements. So right. when all those got pulled away, then what am I going to, what can I grasp onto? So I grasped on to the restricting of my food and the losing the weight. But it got to a point people, and, and, and there's a lot of, of where you look in the mirror and you, it's so distorted. You cannot, your, your, your eyes lie to yourself. Yeah. What you see is not reality. It all gets distorted in what you can see. But there's a point in time where um, even you get to where you don't even want to be who you are. But it is it is so wrapped in you that you don't even know any way out. I want to take a second before we get into all those mm-hmm. deeper issues of what's going on with you to go back to your parents. Um, just for the gal listening who maybe left a comment when we ask for questions, yes. maybe over on Instagram or Facebook, and she's asking how to get help for her daughter, mm-hmm. or what if you notice a, fr- a friend, or, right. but I'm thinking more of the parents um, who've reached out, and it'd be great, Angie, if you could kind of mm-hmm. help those parents who don't want to take ownership, mm-hmm. you know, your, your parents carry, you said, it's hard for them, because they know that you went through a lot, Yes, um, but like you said, your home environment was legitimately difficult Mm -hmm. chaotic Mm -hmm. so talk us through this angie for the for the mom and dad listening whose daughter may be showing signs or they're concerned that she could show signs those are two different yes no those are two very different questions yeah so well let's start with the first question the the mom who is or mom or dad who are concerned that their daughter is showing signs yeah right so that's question a I would say that there's obviously great resources you can actually look up online, actual eating disorder symptoms, and that's a good place, believe it or not, to start. Um, I'll have you put some resources up if people would like to see those. Mm -hmm. And you can actually go, are these actual symptoms and signs? And if so, I would say absolutely you see those. You need to seek some sort of professional help Um, if you're seeing these legitimate signs. That would include a medical doctor saying, oh, wow, your daughter's lost some weight. 
oh, wow, your daughter has gained some weight. Your son seems to have lost some weight or has gained weight mm-hmm. significantly. Mm-hmm. These are significant gains and losses. And these are coming from professionals. A medical doctor might identify this. I'm a little concerned about this. Or you're seeing these actual signs that we know are symptoms of an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Then I would say you want to seek some help, a professional opinion to have an assessment. The second question is probably more difficult, <laughs> which is I'm concerned that my child might show signs. Or or some of the questions were related to, I want them to have healthy eating habits, yes. stop eating junk food. Yes. Let's talk through that because that to right. me seems like very complex. It is very complicated. <laughs> yes. So let me, I want to just throw out a couple statistics okay. on this quickly. Um, what we know is that 35%, so of normal dieters, so 35% of people who might go on a normal diet at any point in their life will develop an eating disorder. Interesting. That is a very high statistic. Mm-hmm. And it's something to keep in mind as a parent of do I want to introduce a child to a dieting mentality? The culture is going to do that for you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's done. Like mm-hmm. any commercial. You watch TV for 30 minutes. You're Correct. Gonna see a diet. You're going to yeah. hear about a diet or mm-hmm. uh, you know, an infomercial of some kind. Some yeah. kind. Mm-hmm. Or here's a new you know, exercise regimen or something. So 30, yes, <laughs> 35% of people going on a normal, that's like I said, huge statistics. Mm-hmm. So you, as a parent, you want to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, what Do I want to be the parent that reinforces that? Then there's also the statistic is that girls who diet, and a diet really is restricting of some sort. So when we take away food, from a kid and say, this is bad. You cannot eat this. That is a diet. That's a restrictive mm. measure. And not just like, I'm thinking in our home, I just don't buy a lot of sugary things yeah. because I know with boys. Yeah. They chaos, go crazy. Yeah. Or like food coloring. Yes. Like I'm restricting that. Yes. Out of like, I don't like to live with crazy boys. Yes. But making it like you may not having the food there. Is that right. what you're saying? And well, having the food there or saying, yeah, I won't buy Cokes because they're bad for you. That's bad? Because I would think that that's just like being smart. Most people would say that. But again, the language is so um, important because what you're saying is here's this bad food versus, mm, yeah, you know what? When you drink sugar. It just you, makes you crazy. Yeah, you go nuts versus, right. oh, you drink sugar, you you might get, oh, yeah, you know, you okay. might put on some weight or okay. it's not healthy. It's not good. Mm-hmm. What we know is kids who are restricted food. Right. 12 times more likely to binge. Interesting. Because they'll go to school. They're going to find Eventually, it. Eventually, they're going to find it. They're yeah. going to get it. Right. And they're 12 times more likely to binge because what they're learning is this narrative we have of good and bad foods. Mm. We we assign morality to food. Right. When food really is an amoral right. entity. Right. It's about how we relate to the food. Interesting. You choose not to have sugar because you go, hey, this, you know. The, the behavior yeah, after. You yeah, you go crazy. Yeah. Yet, I bet there's occasions that they get to have sugar. Right. Yeah, totally. so there's not a narrative of, oh, we don't do. Ever. Or, oh, it's only for very special, kind of, if you've been really good behaviors, mm-hmm. because that then assigns a morality. Here's mm-hmm. a reward, because this is bad. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, it's such a hard thing. And what I know is, as parents, if we don't address our own narratives and our own relationship with food, we will put that on our children. Right. Then we will look for these things that we're concerned about. Right. I think there was a question or a concern. Sometimes there's concerns. I was bullied as a child right. for being overweight. I don't want my child to have that experience. And how difficult that is as a parent to go, I want to protect them. Mm-hmm. So what I do is think if I manipulate food and diet in their body, I protect them. Mm. And when in reality... And that child may not seem concerned. They may not have a problem with it. They may, even if their body DNA causes them to be larger. Yeah, sometimes people... They may be fine with it. Right, and we all come, just like we all have different shoe sizes, we actually all come in different body sizes. And at times our body, we come in smaller bodies... Sometimes we get into medium bodies. Sometimes we have larger bodies. Then we have medium bodies. Mm -hmm. Then we have a larger body and then a smaller body. I mean, our bodies change. I mean, think about any young girl who goes through puberty. Right. That was interesting. Yeah. Because I'm sure that's a lot. Yeah. There's puberty. Your body changes on you without your permission. Right. You're not in charge. And you pointed out it happens again. Yes. Yes. That's another statistic. (laughs) 13% of women over the age of 50 have eating disorder yeah, behaviors. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but yeah. I just thought yeah. it was interesting, the two. 
the, the mm-hmm. shadows. These are the two times. Whereas pregnancy, we know, can be difficult on women. because mm-hmm. But you usually choose a pregnancy. You're usually... Well, I've heard some girls that that was the one time... They were okay. Yeah, because I get to they be. Were, they were nurturing a baby. Because it wasn't about them. Yeah. Right. They, they were feeding yeah. their body for a baby. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just not feeding their body just to feed their body. Right. right. It's not about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and the body there's betrayal, a, right? There's a purpose. Of feeling like I'm in puberty. My body is betraying me. It's changing and I didn't want it to change or sure. I didn't ask for it to change. Interesting. And okay. moms will get concerned about their daughters when there's, there is, we know scientifically, young girls are supposed to put on weight, right. 25 to 40 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Before. Boys don't have that. But and that's during puberty, they do. Prior to puberty. Prior. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. It's about, and that's it. You, you think yeah. about that. As a parent, you see your daughter putting on that kind of weight. And you go, mm-hmm. I feel like boys kind of do too. They yes, can. They before, they, before, they before they go tall. Before they, they go out and then they go yeah. tall. Yeah. Yes. But it's a little more acceptable culturally mm-hmm. for a boy mm-hmm. to be beefy. We would call him beefy or like, stocky. Yeah, football. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's make him a lineman. Yeah. And the yeah. dad's like beating his chest, right? <laughs> They're all high five each other. Sure. But the mom is, you know, mm-hmm. you start she's going, getting, oh gosh, oh gosh. Right. She's kind of. Yeah, right. and, they, and then the comments start coming. The comments will come. And we also know that dads, that's when daughters' bodies start to develop, which means they start to develop their breasts and their sex organs get prevalent. And dads will then also distance because they don't quite know so what to yeah, do with that. So, yeah, as a dad in that situation, what would you recommend he do as he's seeing his daughter's body change? Yes, I would talk to your wife about it and then I would love on her. And still hug on her and learn to respect her boundary, but stay present as Don't much as you can. Don't think that now that she looks like a woman, I can't treat her as my daughter. Right. And I can't, like, a little girl. give her a big old hug. She's still mm-hmm. a little girl. Right. Her body is changing, but she's still inside. She, she's still a little girl. Okay. Yeah. And she may want you to hug her differently. Like, those things are yeah. appropriate. Mm-hmm. She right. may mm-hmm. want you to kiss her differently. Like, mm-hmm. now it's right. on the forehead versus... So what mm-hmm. if a daughter comes to a parent and starts making little comments like, oh, man, mom, this dress is kind of bulging out on the side, mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. I think I need to get bigger clothes, or she, mm-hmm. oh, this does this make me look fat? Like, those questions. Oh, yes. Loaded questions. Loaded yes. questions. So yes. what? how should a parent respond appropriately to those questions? Great question. It is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I would say for parents, it's very important that you're aware of what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First and foremost, truly. Like what you're you, healing your yes. process. What yes. do you feel? What are you what are you hearing? Because kids are resilient. We know this. And mm-hmm. sometimes a daughter might say, Oh, yeah, like my stomach is hanging out of my jeans. And if you go into hyper like, okay, well, would you like to do something about that? Because like you want to start can. working out, you want to yeah. go running. Yeah, okay. maybe I mean, it's because you've been eating a little too much of such and such, and we, you know, maybe we need to switch and maybe eat a little bit more of this better. So right? those are the comments we don't want to say. I would agree. Yes. Do you know, <laughs> not, because, right. right, if you're aware that, wow, I'm feeling anxious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, and this almost applies across the board to parenting, really and truly, is mm-hmm. that I think as parents, we think I have to come up with a solution when really most of the times kids aren't coming to us for solutions. They're really not. They're coming to us for validation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I would say, too. I was going to speak into that. When you, um, when you don't know what to do as a mom, what's going to naturally come to you is anxiety and fear mm-hmm. because because you do feel out of control. You're like, oh my gosh, they're presenting this question. I don't know what to do. What should I say? And you just feel very unprepared, right? I think we all do in general. And I think you have, like Angie said, you have to stop, take a minute, don't just blurt out, figure out what's going on in you, figure out what's going on. What in am you. I feeling? What am I feeling? Stop. Well, I can tell you, you're probably feeling anxiety. Yes. <laughs> You're really nervous, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to mess it up. I don't want to say anything yeah. wrong and whatever. And then it's, um, but it, like Angie said, for me, there were times of that and I needed to be validated. Do not dismiss her feelings right. do not, and do not try to. So how would a parent say, what would that look like to validate? Right. Yeah. So again, it's not, you said, they say, Hey, I think I'm a little fat. This is not validation. Let me be very clear okay. to say, Correct. You do look a little fat. That it would be the wrong. Not validating. Right. No. Let's say it again. That is not, not the right. validating your daughter by okay. agreeing. Yes, I've noticed you put on yes. weight, and okay. I'm a little worried about that. Validation is trying to listen for what they're saying, mm-hmm. right? When you're 10, 11, 12, we know that a lot of kids start dieting in the third and fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Those are little guys. Mm-hmm. What they're really saying is, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I feel insecure. Mm-hmm. Like, you can learn as a parent to hear and go, oh, like, are you feeling uncomfortable in your body? Yeah, I really am. Okay, well, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you really don't have to say much. Or, mm-hmm. oh, 
okay, so it sounds like you're really uncomfortable right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Like you've mm-hmm. validated them. Mm-hmm. And, and you really haven't done a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And you, you really don't necessarily have to come up with a solution. And they'll move on through not, that stage. I feel like that stage, that third, fourth grade is tricky. But, they might. But, and yeah. then the, it'll probably come back up in seventh grade. I mean, I'm 44 and I still want somebody to listen to me and <laughs> say, like, yeah, yeah like, you're okay. You're... <laughs> You are rocking yeah, yeah, that yeah. dress. I think we all like yes. that. What is it? Around PMS time, we yeah. all feel a little bloated. And oh, we're like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. All I want is chocolate. So, yeah. And right. I feel gigantic. And yeah. my pants won't zip up. Yeah. I can't zip the pants and I'm feeling bad. So then, you know, for a husband right. to say, it seems like you're uncomfortable with your yeah. body. <laughs> say, I do feel uncomfortable. I am and then we would think he's the greatest husband he's in the right. world. Are you okay? You seem really down. He validated it. Yes, I had but, that. Yes. So that's what I would say. That's it's, good. it's it's and simply reflecting back and oh it sounds like this or oh it seems like you're worried about that. Mm-hmm. And and I would say too, and Angie, yeah, and with that it's and it's letting them have their feelings. Because we don't want them to feel that way. So we want to shut it down or turn it into something else. Turn it into what we think that it's going to become. Oh, yeah. no, now she's going to have an eating disorder. Oh, oh no. Right. And now and she's going to gain weight. Now she's going to gain weight. And right. I don't want her to, you know, again, if you have had weight issues at all, like, you're, you you're, don't want that. And our culture is mean to people who are in larger bodies. Mm-hmm. The, like, we, we just are. We judge them. Oh, they're lazy. They're not mm-hmm. good. They're... We don't allow there to be the movement, the ebb and flow of life, that that it may be that they just have put on weight and they sit there longer until they hit puberty mm-hmm. or that they're just in a space where they've put on a little weight right now mm-hmm. and that that's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. We, we get really, we, we assign meaning to that yeah. and then we'll put that on our kids and mm-hmm. they're getting that at school. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. getting it. I mean, the world is getting Praise the Lord, them. Carrie, we didn't have social media. Oh, my gosh. It would be awful. I, I don't even know how you do that now. Those girls. With, I, the girls today are... Because that one of the gals, y'all can look up an episode with Kristen Hatton. I'll put it in the show notes. She mm-hmm. talks about her daughter. Um, that's where her yeah. eating disorder started from. Yeah. Lovely Christian home. And yeah. it was just those images and just that re- on repeat, I should look like this. And Absolutely. It, and the body comparison yeah. and the, that shaming. And, and I appreciate you said that too, that... Christians, because we love Jesus, we're not immune to these no. things. And, and no. as a parent, you can do the right things. You can pray every night over them. You can pray scripture over them. You, you can, can even validate them, like we just said. You mm-hmm. can validate mm-hmm. them. Yeah. You can have great meals every night at home. Right. And and, mm-hmm. and and you can even not have your own issues with your own body. Right. And your daughter or son right. is, goes through this. Is the one that mm-hmm. little boys are not talked about with their body image, but those are on the rise. Yeah. They may end up with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so it's that idea that I don't have to blame a parent or try to get it right because the outcomes are up to God, but I do get to start with me. And I would say I think that's really hard to do. That I do get to go, wow, I feel I'm afraid. I'm afraid my child's gonna be hurt or outcast or made fun of or they're going to be too skinny or too large or yeah. too tall or too short. So, yeah. I, so I would start sum with it me. up with, as a parent, dealing with this issue, think about yourself. Make sure you're getting the healing you need or the professional help you need. Take a second when an issue comes up. Process what you're feeling. Validate the yep. feelings of your child. Let Don't take ownership ship. of that disorder as if you did something wrong because we just do our hoop. Mm-hmm. And but, allow God to do his... Because they're all on their own journey. They are. Each yes. child's on their own journey. They are. So, Carrie, you go into treatment. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Did so you officially I was, stick so I with went, the plan? Well, so, I, yeah, I, I went back to college yeah. and agreed on the plan. I went and saw my... This is in January, right? Because um, this is my freshman year. So, Christmas break, I go back in January. And, yes, I go see my nutritionist once a week and my uh, therapist once a week. And... Why did you keep going? Because I'm... Sh- why? Yeah, why would you keep going? Well, because my parents would make me come home. Like they were checking on you. Uh-huh. They... Okay. I, did, I was not really in communication with them okay. much, but they were in communication with my therapist. So well, they... Were, and they, were they paying for the therapist? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so they, they knew. Okay. They knew if I was <laughs> so that, coming so or So they not. were in control of that. They were in control yes. of that, okay. and I agreed, fine, whatever. But I did not do what the nutritionist told me to do. <laughs> Because at that point, once again, like her asking me to eat such and such, I was like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. And you did not. Were um, you honest with your therapist? Sometimes. Sometimes not. Um, 
But it so was, even as parents, going back, we can do all the right things, line them up with nutritionists, but it, Carrie was on her own journey. Yes. I mean, you can, as a professional therapist... Like, you can even do your hoop. You're doing your yeah. hoop as the best therapist you can be. And here's this young college kid coming to see me, and what I know as a therapist, and they know, is that they're there because their parents will not provide mm-hmm. financial They, they haven't support. bought in yet. Carrie hadn't yeah. bought in yet that she had a problem. Oh, and no. They still, she mm-hmm. still, they still have all that control yeah. because they can sit in my this couch. Is it, this is it, yeah. But according to me, not do anything. Yeah, yeah. And according to me, you didn't I have was a problem. Fine. Yeah, you didn't have a problem. <laughs> I was fine. I got this. Don't worry. So I'm how long fine. did you do once a week with all these people? Three months. January, February, and then in March. And this is what's I can. I mean, I don't want to say it's hilarious. I can now. This many years mm-hmm. passed at, because I'm at a place where I am. But at the time, and this is what it, this is where it's so denial based that you really think you're fine. I'm fine. I got reality this. is not reality. Oh, not at all. Your brain, first of all, it's malnourished. Shame. It is not functioning correctly. Your brain is not, and you're dece- you're you're deceived. You're totally you're in, you're just deceived. Well, it's body dysmorphia. The brain it, it's the te- that's the technical term. Your bot your brain. You see images that aren't there on your body. So, as a person who's that malnourished, clinically, what's happening is you're seeing. You look in the mirror and you see fat. You don't even see the you, reality. Right. No. You cannot see it. And it's not because you're not wanting to. Your brain no longer has the functioning capability. Just like your brain no longer has the ability to listen to the hunger signals. They, it will stop sending them. Yeah. Wow. Because it yeah, doesn't it have enough all, energy. It is just all, I mean, so no my body. Can, my body is shutting down. Yes. So no one can convince you. Oh, so gosh. No, I, my body is shutting down. So, so what Yeah. So what happens is that... Um, Actually, and I just attribute this to the Lord, because I am a believer now, so the Holy Spirit is in me, and I'm attributing this to the Holy Spirit, that I went to my therapist, and she said, so I've talked to your parents, um, and we think you need to go to inpatient treatment. I said, oh, no, I don't. I am just fine. Let me go over next door to the nutritionist, and let me wait. I bet I've gained some weight. I know I have. I mean... Again, just totally, I mean, just out of it, just no. And I went over there, and this is by God's grace that he intervened, and I remember I weighed, and I thought, I I mean, I was shocked to see, and my eyes were opened, and I said, I am one of those girls on the Oprah Winfrey show Mm. that I used to sit up there, I used to watch and go, what in the world, and why would they ever do that to themselves? Mm. And here I was, and I was like, Okay, so I went back to the therapist. I said, "Okay, fine, I'll go, I'll go." But I'm going for one week, and that's you're all. controlling the inpatient. Oh, yes, and I'm only going to miss one week of school. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. But she was like, "Um, okay, what about two? I was like, "Okay, fine, fine. One week will be spring break, oh. <laughs> and then the other week will be one of school." Of course, she's playing the game with me. Right, so she's letting you have the control that she so that I'll buy in, so that I'll get there. Mm -hmm. But she's negotiating with the eating disorder. Uh She's not negotiating with you. You're right, and that is part of what we'll talk about too, or when we get there, is that yes, this is in a lot of times in treatment. Mm -hmm. And Angie can allude to this. You will name the eating disorder because this is eating disorder. Yes, someone mentioned that in the comments. Yeah, Yeah, this is not you. Yeah, this is not Carrie. They talked about that that, that, that ED is, was making me. It is bringing me all these thoughts. It yeah. is making my brain totally just woo-woo out of, you know. Well, and to, I mean, the reason, and you've talked about this, and we can come back briefly or, and or not if we don't need to, but it, it's about separating, right, the eating disorder from the identity of the human, yeah. of this person. Because yeah. as Carrie has said, her eating disorder began to define her value. And so part of the reason you begin to really separate that is what you're speaking to the young lady or young man is that you are not the eating disorder. That is mm-hmm. not who you are. And rebuilding their identity. Mm-hmm. And saying this is this thing over that, here that, that is not who you are. How long did you spend in inpatient? Ten weeks. <laughs> okay. okay. That's right. Yeah. Ten, right. Ten weeks. Exactly right. Yeah. Ten weeks because it's not my plan. That right. you know and it's it, but it's but it was a place that the Lord had to get me to, to help save me. And so for the gal listening who's maybe it's been a struggle and she's in denial, do you, and people have mentioned impatient and she's like, no, I could never do that. I have children. Mm-hmm. How would I do that? Mm-hmm. I don't need that. And she's rejecting it and rejecting it. Do you just think in God's own timing, he's going to bring her around or is there something you could say to her? I mean, it, 
Is there anything you can say to a person if they're in that much of denial? I would say it does. I mean, there's, yes, I think that that's a pretty big question. And I think it depends on the age of the person and what the leverage is. And we know that there are interventions that take place for people who are chemically dependent Mm -hmm. um, and in denial. They don't have a problem in their minds. And so we know there's also intervention processes for people who have eating disorder because we know the denial is so similar. And sometimes it takes the family working with somebody with a, with a professional. With a professional yeah. who can advise, okay, let's talk about how you can begin to set some boundaries and have leverage just like you would with somebody who was chemically dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, because other than that, we know that eating disorders, and this is, again, we've seen this over 50 years of research, eating disorders are still the leading cause of death and mental illness. And that's a stat that's held for 50 years and that every, and that eating disorder statistics have just continued to rise every decade they go up. Mm. So we know it's not going away. Is it an international problem or is there a higher? That's a great question. And to be honest, I haven't looked up those statistics. I mean, there's people starving in other countries because Mm -hmm. they don't have access to food. Correct. And there's, there was a famous study, and I can't remember what island it was, but basically they studied the people would have been normally in the, the country. And there's probably people yelling right now. It's the study. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's okay. okay. It's okay. They'll Put it on the website. They studied these, this culture was just natural in the larger bodies, and they enjoyed kind of, they that was celebrated and part of it. And then Western television came in. Uh, and what they noticed is that island began to, have an increase in eating disorders. And so we know that, yes, it happens internationally. Mm-hmm. I would say that there are people who actually are in starvation, obviously, in, in developing countries and, and um, countries that are, you know, imprisoned, essentially. But we know that also that you can see disordered eating and eating disorders throughout Europe. And mm-hmm. we know that it's happening in Asia and mm-hmm. everywhere the West. Yay. <laughs> Shows up. The Western influence. Great. <laughs> this is a big part yeah. of that and the social media and, yeah, you know, all the other factors that we mm-hmm. can complain about, but it has wonderful gifts too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. Blessing. Uh-huh. Hashtag blessed. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you go for 10 weeks. I do. I and you're fixed 10. and you've never dealt mm-hmm. with it again. Exactly. Right? Done? No. Awesome. No, ma'am. <laughs> it's a miracle. No, ma'am. So... <laughs> So this is when it shifts into, and that was in 1997 when I got out, and from 1997 until 2005, so for eight years, I lived at a place where Angie's going to talk a little bit about this, but at a place where I counted all my calories, Mm -hmm. and I lived in this little box, and if my input versus plus my output equaled I'm okay. So as long as I had... It was like they met each other. They canceled each other out. Well, not fully canceled, but I had a little formula that I was at peace with. And as long as everything stayed in my little formula, then I felt safe and I felt secure. So again, from the outside, and this is even, Heather, when you knew me, when we first met. So from the outside, I look like, she's just fine. No. Well, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't think anybody looks just fine. (laughs) And I know you. You're not someone. I. You are so good about always telling your issues. I didn't feel like you ever hid anything. No, you but maybe I'm thought saying. in your mind you were hiding, but you well, talked about. You true. were very open about anything and that's everything. Well, like, is, it po- fine, is it possible that you didn't disclose how bad it was? I think that you probably maybe you would yeah. hint so that we wouldn't dig deeper maybe so it's like you kind of even controlled maybe mm-hmm. even controlled how that information got yes, disseminated probably. Yes. you were vulnerable but I, mean, I guess i was saying from an outside looking in at my weight you and know, somebody you just, commented about that even on here like if an acquaintance like you see someone and you're mm-hmm. concerned what is your role in that right i mean if they're a total stranger not a, Pro- probably not much. Not, <laughs> not unless you want to get decked. If it's a right. close friend and you're mm-hmm. concerned. Like, you were never at a level physically where I was like, wow, I really should make sure no. Carrie's getting some. 
help, help or what's going no. on. Right. So I was mm-hmm. able to function. You were functional on the outside. Outside. Functional yeah. on the outside. Let's talk about what was inside my head. Right. Because yeah. you can look healthy on the outside and even, as we were saying, be using quote unquote healthy diets that people are selling oh, or healthy yeah. fitness mm. programs that yeah, people are or selling. Yeah, even are eating cake. I eat tons of chocolate cake. Whatever. <laughs> or, about burger, that. or burgers. But let me tell you what was going on Okay, inside. let's talk about what was going on on the inside. What was the... Let's see. I was weight obsessed. Like you were thinking about your weight all the time. All the time. I was checking myself in the mirror all the time. I weighed on the scale all the time. Um, I had a certain weight and certain sizes that were permissible, mm-hmm. but otherwise were not. For you. Oh, yeah. You weren't projecting this on other people. Oh, no, but for me. This yeah. is, um, I uh, was not present half the time, like meaning, like emotionally present. Like you might be with us hanging out. Oh, hanging out, out, us, out but, but I'm still in my brain. About... My brain's like, what'd she eat? What'd she order? She's going to eat all that. Oh, my gosh, she ate half. I only ate this much. And you okay, are gotcha. constantly, gotcha. again, mental. You're mental. You're, you're or, comparing and contrasting. Uh, all, yes. Okay. Or... Or she worked out. I haven't worked out. I need to go work out. Well, but again, she's doing this workout. I bet she's burning that many. She's probably doing that many calories. Mm-hmm. I probably. It, it's just you're measuring. Am I okay? Like Angie even said earlier, am I okay against mm-hmm. everything else? Mm-hmm. I need to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. And this is a way that I can feel okay as long as everything's in my little box and mm-hmm. I'm okay. My weight's here. My size is here. I've exercised okay. XYZ amount of times. I do this many programs. Yeah, your formula. I've got my formula. Yeah. If I stay in my formula, everything's okay. Everything's good. So what if you're not? Um, then I would obsess in my head. How like, would you shame yourself? Oh, gosh, yes. And the, the lies that come in and the messages that I tell myself and the anxiety that it would produce in me until I could get to where I could fix it back. Does that make sense? Like if I've missed a workout, then uh, I, I don't feel settled till I can get that workout in again. Mm. Or I would overcompensate in other ways. Okay. Like if I went over my calorie count, then I'd make sure I worked out twice the next day. Like it's it's always, you're never okay with messing up. Okay. I wasn't. That that was a mess up. Oh gosh, yes. Right. Even that phrasing that it's a mess up. Yeah. A skipped workout is a mess up. Is a mess up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not okay. I mean, I, I got to do everything like right. I'm supposed to do it. There was not I, a lot of grace for yourself. Ooh, no, man. Because no. okay. I was perfectionist. This is how it's got to be. I've got to do things this way because that means I'm okay and that means I'm good. Well, and it's like the eating disorder shifts, right? So f- at first it was, I'm okay because I'm not eating. I have the control and the cocoon. And now it's, okay, I'm okay because I'm eating, but I'm only eating XYZ. Enough. And I'm going to maintain I'm as long as, and this is what I would say clinically I see the most. And I just think culturally is as long as the, this three, which it should be three numbers on your skin as adult women, there should be three of them. I was thinking this many, but you were thinking the other way. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, probably. Yeah. As long as there's probably too many. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And your scale probably wouldn't do that. Okay, as long so as there's those, three numbers. Those three numbers are these certain three numbers. Yeah. so people have in their head what the number is. is. And they're essentially saying, this makes me okay. This number mm. defines. Yes. And, and we can hear that whether you have a, a diagnosed, like you meet all the criteria eating disorder, or you have what we would call disordered eating or disordered thinking around food. Do people and come see you and say, I think I have disordered eating? No. Yeah. People come see me and they say, I need to lose some way they'll just be talking about their life like as a counseling session outside yeah, like, oh okay. I went to a party and I you know I you know I, I binged and I love when people say that okay yeah let's talk about that because that was one of the questions yes. binge eating yes they'll say oh I binged and I'll say oh great like you know can you would you mind sharing to me as your therapist what's a binge and they'll they'll tell me and what I know culturally is we love to say the word I've oh I really binged today like as just the Thing we throw out. Just a word we throw out. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that a binge is an actual, there's an actual criteria that you have to meet in order to meet a binge, Mm -hmm. um, to actually have binge eating disorder or to have binging behaviors. Like they're just like diagnosing anything. And so people will use that when really they maybe just overate a little bit or they think maybe they put that number has like gone up a little bit. 
so they're like, oh, I think I'm binging because mm-hmm. this number has so much power. But they're not in it. But they're not diagnostically meeting that criteria. They just over, literally, they just overate a little bit. Just a teensy tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Which happens. So what do you, what but, would you say? Because I feel like this is just, we were, we were saying earlier, you go to a girl's dinner, you go to a party, mm-hmm. the conversations, at, if not the entire conversation, at, at least a large percentage, art, especially yes. as we're hitting, I know you millennial listeners <laughs> can turn this off now, but like, <laughs> those in their 30s and 40s, 40s are 40s, talking about yes, how yes. their bodies, you know, oh, oh you know, I used changing. to be able to eat whatever I wanted and, and it's now. Changing. And I love it when people say, I used to be able to eat whatever I want. Because, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pesky by nature. I, I like to say things. <laughs> um, and I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, 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 right? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say things like, well, you know, you still can. Like, you can mm-hmm. actually still eat whatever you want. Yeah. But the key is, going back to, if I ate whatever I wanted, that number would be higher. It might. That may be how your body responds now. And then I wouldn't be okay with it. And then I'm not going to be okay. Like that number. I'm not going to be myself. Right. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight my body. I'm going to fight that number. And again, people go, well, what are you saying? I can just eat anything? And I'm going, well, yes. Like, you have permission to. You absolutely have permission. So then what's the other way? Right. Bulimia, we were talking about. Yes. Where I'm going to eat whatever I want, but then I'm going to compensate. And there's all sorts of ways we can do that. Yeah. Um, And there's diagnosis for that. Yeah. Most, but it's still disordered. It's still disordered. It's mm-hmm. like what Carrie was mentioning in her story. Um, people will go, oh, well, I need to, okay, I can, as long as I work out, and we hear this a lot as women, okay, in order to maintain your weight today, you must work out one hour every single day. I don't have an hour to work out every day. Right. And so, but we'll, we'll hear that just on a commercial or, you know, in magazine, a magazine yeah. or website, you whatever. standing in the line at the grocery store <laughs> with the lady behind you on the phone. Right. And so then we'll hear that and go, okay, well, great. I'm going to eat this, and then I'm going to work out one hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make sure I burn X amount, and I'm going to make sure I do this and do this. And so we're still compensating, which is still disordered, um, because we're trying to control. Versus, what do we do about all, like, the BMI scales that oh, say, oh, gosh, don't get if me. If you, yeah. you type in your weight and mm. you're this tall, then you're, and then it's got this label, overweight, which is awesome. Or obese. Or obese, which is awesome. Stop. So then that feels like, well, I'm not being healthy. Yes. Because right. there were lots of parents concerned, like, how do I help my children have a healthy lifestyle? Great. And I, I mean, this is a whole, I mean, there, I, I'll give a you a list. Podcast. There's <laughs> Yes. There's documentaries on the BMI now that are coming out from, there's some great movements coming out for eating disorder awareness. Essentially, the BMI is antiquated. It okay. is. Like, who, like it's been around beyond outdated mm-hmm. and it's not useful and there's a whole lot of reasons why we still use the BMI. Yeah. I won't go into those. Yeah. But it's antiquated and yeah. and it's just something that we've used and there's a great documentary about the student body and it's a young lady who essentially takes on there was a law mm-hmm. like in Ohio or something but she takes on this idea that all students have to have their BMI taken at school mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. determines their health when we know and we can see this. There are people who you would look at and go, they are not obese, but according to the BMI, they, they are. are. Mm-hmm. Or like, well, then we have this whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation yes. about how there is, like, in the healthcare system, yes. a lot more diabetes yeah. and yes. a lot of issues because yeah. people Actual just are eating. obesity, yes. Like, junk because it's the cheapest and yes. if you are... Poor, like, uh, have a lower SES than yes. you. That's all you can that's get what available. You can afford, and it, a Big just, Mac is a cheaper option, and it's a full just, meal, and yeah, the portions are bigger. And so, we are like, there's an issue there. There, there yes. is to be addressed, yes. And I would, yes, and I love the obesity question. I would say that there's such great resources out there about yeah. this whole, like, the legitimate issue of the obesity, but most of the time, what we're it's, talking about is not, is not even close. I just want right. for the gal listening who's like, oh, but. There is yes. a real issue. I want to kind of. There is a yes. There is a real issue, but this is not it. What, right, right. And this set is it not, aside. Right. Set it aside. That's a whole other. That's topic. a whole other. And again, we would go back to the food. Really, the food's not the problem. And so, in all across the board, food is not the problem. Therefore, it cannot be the solution. It goes back to what Carrie's mentioned. Yes. Usually, a spirit, obviously, <laughs> a spiritual <laughs> issue, and an internal issue, and really and truly, what our relationship with the food. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And when we make it, like we said, the idol. Yes. When yes. it's Which, taking up, like you said, you were obsessed. It was taking up your mind. 
Oh yeah. Your time. It's it is it your is, thoughts, your your relationships were impacted. Oh yeah. That's like, when we know something's an idol. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you're lying. I was voiding. I was lying. I was hiding to continue making sure that I was going to be able to control my behavior. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And at the same time, and this is what I think for these women to hear too, at the same time, worshiping Jesus and married to a man going to seminary. Oh, yeah. You served in ministry. Oh, and yeah. You were, I mean, I was married to a minister. Yeah. You were married to a minister. And yet, I love Jesus, but yet I'm still going to control all my little boxes right here and find my worth right there. Even though I know, because... That he says he loves me and that I'm okay and I'm made in his image. I didn't fully believe it. Yeah. And so how did you get there? How did you how go did from I 2005 from, yes. to and so being it, who you are today? Yes. And so, <laughs> and yes, exactly. So in 2005, I got to a place where I was done with mm. it all. Mm. Just because I was tired. It's a lot to carry lot around. It's a lot of work. And even though it... And you didn't have Mason yet. Your oldest. No, mm-hmm. I did not have any children. And I remember I went to my therapist and said, I need, I, there's two, and I was seeing a therapist. And that was part of also in this having disordered eating. If you need anyone that's listening that can identify with some of the things that I'm talking about and what we're talking about, counseling is an amazing resource. Mm-hmm. I've been in therapy a long time and I'd probably see a therapist every day if I had the money because <laughs> I really love it. I love being able to talk to someone and then objectively say like, yeah, I hear what you're saying and yes. reflecting back. Like, yes. I love it. Yes. But um, recovery program, doing yep. recovery for life, being able to get to identify the, thing. the things that are driving you. The thing is not the thing. Right. What is yeah. driving you to utilize other things to make them idols, to make you feel better about yourself? The root. We're getting Where to is, the heart of that. Getting to the like heart. For you, issue. it was... For me, that identity. Oh, yeah. It's me. It's feeling that I'm okay. What gives me value? What mm-hmm. makes me worthy? It's fears of rejection, fears of abandonment. Did you struggle with God doesn't love? I'm not worthy enough for God's love. Like, did you struggle with believing that God loves you just as you are? I didn't love myself. Right. Who I was. So, but could you believe that God did? Because I, um, I believed he I mean, loved. I mean, i with enough women that that's a big. Yes. No, I believed that he loved me, but I, he wasn't tangible and real enough to mm. me. He was, so he was a, as physical. Yeah, he was a he was a thing that's way up there. Yeah. That it was not like I wasn't connected to the spirit enough. That wasn't intertwined enough in me. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think. And so really, yeah, to get to today, it is a it is an in process healing. So from two thousand five when I was like, I am done, but I I didn't say I'm done and never have a thought about what I was gonna eat, how many calories it had. Came up the next minute when mm-hmm. I said that. And for me, it is a turn and flee. It is always to take my thoughts captive to the Lord. It is so an the second active, you recognize, okay, there's that lie. Oh, I have to take it captive immediately. Mm-hmm. I have a choice in this. And I can choose truth or I can choose the lie. And I have to choose truth. And it is a, And the more you do it, the more it becomes less powerful over your life. But it is hard work. But it was worth doing the hard work. To not live in bondage anymore. Because I knew that Christ came to give me abundant life. And to be free and to feel free. And this was not. This was not it. So you're this the, was not it. So the hope for the gal. We had a couple gals say, can I ever be oh, free Oh, yes. I this? saw it. Yes. You'd say, yeah. You can be free. I would say you can be free of your obsessive thoughts of food. And you're, you're planning all your thoughts around this food. And giving food the power. Or your body image the power. You can have, and then you're in process with your emotional sobriety. And that is turning over your expectations, your fears, your insecurities. You're checking your feelings and sitting in your feelings and having them. Yeah. And being okay to be afraid. Being okay to be angry. Angry. Insecure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, she, they didn't call me. Why didn't they call me? Mm-hmm. Well, it's okay. Not everyone's going to call you. Yeah. But I still feel that. And it doesn't feel good. Right. But I don't need to go numb out and control something else. Right. Because it's there. Right. And not believing the lie when Satan says, yeah, because you don't have any friends. I'm like, hmm. But that's not true because someone called me yesterday. Right. So they may not have invited me, but I do have a friend because remember, she called you. So let's focus on what's true and give power to what's true. So and even outside of the eating, like we said, the food's not the thing. Oh, gosh, no. The core issue, because those are all friendship related. Oh, yeah. Well, they're feeling-based. They're feeling-based. 
friendship. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's relational. It's translating to the next thing. Yes. It's all good stuff, Carrie. Thanks. Um, all good stuff. I appreciate both of you sharing your wisdom. Do you have any statistics you want to share to close <laughs> out? Because that seems very like it just adds some weight to what we're talking about. No, I like my statistics. I would I would say about the freedom issue. Yeah. The process and the journey to recovery is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate Carrie's bravery and boldness talking about here's what happened for me. Yes. Right. And I would say for anybody listening, it's it's different. And I think it was Brennan Manning um, who referenced or Philip Yancey, somebody very smart. Very, just throw a name in there. And they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a great theologian. <laughs> said that Jesus never actually healed anybody the same way twice in the mm. New Testament. That he... Mm heals people differently. And mm-hmm. so going back to the compare right. and contrast, we love as humans to say, well, Carrie was, she just, you know, one day turned and started to flee. Well, I should do that. And I'm like, well, that might not be right. your journey. That might not be the healing that the Lord has for you because it's different and he heals us differently. And some people's processes and journeys are longer, but that mm-hmm. doesn't make it wrong. Okay. It simply makes it Would different. Say it was a lifelong gift. It's a life. I think it is as a recovering bulimic, it is the thing that I get to continue to embrace as part of my humanity and mm-hmm. and the way I'm wired and, and my need for Christ at the end of the day. The gospel. It's always about the gospel. My salvation is because of who Christ is and what he did on the cross. My sanctification is a dependency every day. Yeah. And my continued recovery is the gift that reminds me that I, I don't mm-hmm. have it. It, it, I'm educated. Is, I'm a therapist. Right, I've, been do, I've been not doing reading this. one more book is going to. Yeah, fix I've been it. doing no, this a while. No, yeah. mm-hmm. I, you know, I have medication. I, I see it my own therapist. Yeah. None of that. It makes me capable enough to heal myself mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So it's a lifelong gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Just, much goodness, ladies. Okay, is yeah. there's no way that well. These are people listening all over the world, but I'm going to put contacts in the show notes. Yes. Resources. Yes. yes. If some, if you're looking for more help, obviously this is a very large topic to cover in yes. one hour, but yes. I appreciate again, like Angie said, Carrie sharing your specific yes. journey and being brave because I know that there'll be ripple effects and it'll yes. just allow you went first. So now mm-hmm. another gal can say, okay, Carrie shared her story. I can tell this friend or I, they might mm-hmm. reach out to you. Well. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot, but. Well, they can reach out to me. <laughs> I, no, I really, I'm okay with that. Because I think there is, there's also freedom in being able to relate to someone that can speak your own language. Yeah. Because there's part of it where Satan will make you feel like you're alone mm-hmm. and that no one else thinks this yes. way. And Do no you know? one else is this crazy in their head. Surely not. Yes. But yes. there are. No, we're all crazy. Right, you're right. You're right. We are. We're crazy. all disordered on the internet. We are. But he is going to make you feel like there's no one else. Right. That and you're little. You're crazy. just yeah. And okay. it's not. It's not true. Mm-hmm. And so again, validation to the per, to that woman listening that like, mm-hmm. yes, you're not alone in this, and don't keep it in the darkness. Because oh yeah, that's he where loves that. He loves to keep it in the dark and shameful. And this is my secret little thing that no one knows because you are not created to live in bondage you're not he and you have to be free to set people free so Mm -hmm. we're thankful for the freedom you have to be able to talk about it here thank you thank you for having me and thank you for bringing it out hey you're brave anytime 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 fun to talk all right bye Bye, y'all i know this is a long episode so i am going to end this actually in a prayer dear lord i come before you i praise you and thank you that you gave us bodies that you gave us bodies that can be used as instruments for your righteousness to bring and make this world right with you. And I also thank you that you did give us your Holy Spirit who has the power of life in us and that we have the ability to fight uh, these lies and to fight these addictions. And I praise you, Lord. I thank you for the gal listening. I thank you for her bravery to make it to the end of this show. I pray if she is feeling a tug on her spirit that something is not right in her, that she is more concerned with um, the size of her body than than she feels is appropriate. I pray, Lord, that you would direct her path to talk to someone, to tell someone. 
uh, to just say the words to someone and to be bold to reach out to uh, talk to professional to get help uh, to spend time with you God to um, to realize that even though she may be a believer in you and go to church regularly and and be a lover of Jesus that it doesn't doesn't mean that she won't have struggles that doesn't mean she won't have areas of brokenness that come out of her and that she can admit that brokenness because none of us are perfect. I thank you, the Lord, that we have you fighting on our behalf. I pray for that woman today listening, that she would feel your overwhelming love, that she is hidden in Christ, that when you see her, you see Christ and there is no shame because when you see her, you see perfection. I praise you and thank you for that promise, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.